you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Guardian. Guardian. Welcome to In Orbit, Mash Those Buttons podcast dedicated to Destiny and its community. Today's show, In Orbit number 34, The Iron Has Risen. And I am Jorge, your host, along with David. What's up, everybody? So on today's show, we finally got it, Rise of Iron. Go ahead and discuss what we'd like, what we didn't like from this ball's big DLC slash update. Uh, let's just jump right into it. Uh, tapiers. Lots and lots <laughs> of tapiers at launch. Um, that was the big error code that was going on at launch. Uh, we all had plenty of memes with regard to that. Two hours after the time it was supposed to start, we finally got to go into the game. We finally got to play uh, Rise of Iron in its entirety. Uh, let's start off with the campaign itself. We already knew it was going to be a short campaign. They already said it was a brief five-mission campaign. First mission, pretty cool. Starts off at Felwinter's Peak. You climb up the mountain. You go up on the gondola. Your gondola gets attacked. You jump off. You go towards uh, the Iron Temple. You finally secure it. And the Iron Temple is being attacked by Sepkis Prime, who has been reformed and turned into Sepkis Perfected. And it's cool to finally get strike bosses involved in the actual main story. It's cool to see um, that again, because one of the cool things about the Dark Below was that Omnigul was a constant, and and she, she was always involved in some way, shape, or form. And I like that. I like seeing enemies show up repeatedly. It was It was one of the cool things about taking King as well, where you knew that Oryx was the actual threat. He was going after you. He was not messing around. He wanted to take you out. And it was a similar feeling with Sepkis Prime, where you knew that, hey, this is an actual important enemy. So the first mission starts off with a bang. It's really cool. Everything's brand new. It's a brand new area. Second mission starts off. You're going into uh, the, the... New area of the Cosmodrome, exploring what that cut into the wall that they didn't want to head into during the um, the early presentation when they showed off the new Cosmodrome, uh, and then the third, fourth, and fifth missions go more into the story. But I kind of wanted to give David a moment to go ahead and talk about what he thought about the first and second mission. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely fun. I uh especially that first mission, it's kind of it's got like a cinematic feel to it where you're going up the mountain, riding down the gondola, hopping off, you know, 
that was a ton of fun. I agree that bringing Sepkis in was awesome. Uh, or Sepix. I always call him Sep- Sepkis for some reason. But right. uh, uh, yeah, no, that was awesome. Um, it was a ton of fun. Second mission was good. The story as a whole, I thought it was fun. Uh, it was, of course, the five missions, so it seemed short, but they warned us about it. So no one, at least no one should have had too much expectations, you know? It was fun with the missions they presented to us, though. Right. I mean, the only mission I say I would have, I had a problem with was the fourth mission. Uh, the fourth mission is the one where you go to Mars and you go into the area right, right. that everybody already broke into um, and got the Siva shard or Siva fragment, uh, Siva dormant cluster. There we go. I'm sorry. I always call them fragment because of the calcified fragments. <laughs> but the Siva dormant cluster. Um, it, 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 the way the mission starts off is you go to the room where you fight the Scion Flares and you're going towards the area where you would normally put out your ghost so that he would do whatever he's doing as you're fighting off mobs. And then when you finally get to that area, you go towards the elevator shaft, which is located where there would sometimes be a heavy ammo box in the lower middle. You would go down into this room. You would do whatever's in that room, and then that's it. It's a very brief mission. And as soon as I finished it, I just remembered, this is it. There's not much after this. Yeah, it, I, I agree. With that mission, I didn't even realize it was ending and it was over, which is something I don't like and has happened with a couple of missions and expansions in the past where you just kind of have this like incomplete feel to a mission. Like, especially if you're only going to give us five missions, at least make them longer. I don't think we've had missions that live up to the length of even the vanilla campaign story missions. While that may not have had much story, at least those story missions were longer and took a bit of time. I mean, this one, I think I was done with the the story by like 8, 30, 9 o'clock in the morning. So like an hour and a half, two hours. And I, I like length to stories. I like length to each individual mission. And you're right. It it just kind of ended really fast. And it was just one of those, that was it feelings with that mission. David's a fan of length. I'm more of a fan of girth. But anyway, (laughs) um, the first mission, um, actually, I I thought was a pretty good amount of length. God damn. Anyway, the actual (laughs) length of the story mission was pretty good. Um, I thought all of them were actually pretty good in, in length. Uh, the the one mission where you're going into the plague lands to stop the cannons. That is really, really cool. And to see Shiro kind of like tell Saladin, yo, you need to shut up and let us do what we need to do. The Vanguard needs these cannons down and you're over here acting like a little bitch. That was kind of cool to see that kind of interaction. Um, for the most part, I thought the voice acting was high quality. It was really, really uh not eva what's her new name i, I uh, what's the new cryptarch in in the i don't know it's, it's i like, always made fun of her too tyra tyra, uh, tyra karn i call tyra her tyra banks, tyra banks. <laughs> um tyra karn solid quality coming from her um there was a little bit of uneven delivery with regards to saladin when he, when you do the mission with the cannon that i'm talking about uh, the ghost says, uh, "Oh, how do the how do the fallen 
not know, uh, how did the fallen know about Siva and all this? And all of a sudden, Salazar's like, they haven't fully mastered it yet. It's like, wait, wait, that's not the, that's not what, no. We, we didn't ask that question. <laughs> it, it, it just seemed a little uneven, and I'm, that, that's more the writing than anything else. I think part I of it kind was. I kind of cringed at that cutscene after I heard, when I saw that part. Me too. I, seemed, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, it, it just seemed a little uneven. That's definitely the writing. Uh, the As for Shiro, everybody expected a new Cade 6. It's not Cade 6, but it seemed a little disappointing to me anyway that we got more from Shiro, it seemed, than we got from Lord Saladin, considering this is all about Saladin. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have... I didn't mind having more from Shiro than I did from Saladin because Shiro was kind of the, like on the ground person. Saladin was kind of hanging out at the tower being all high and mighty. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, with Shiro, I just kind of wish he'd been introduced better. He really wasn't introduced too well. He never was in the cutscenes or anything. So if he's the person we're going to interact with the most, I would like to see him in the cutscenes as well. Maybe like a group talk with him and Saladin. And with regards to the cutscene you're talking about where we were, like, I agree. It was just kind of like, what's going on? Why are you saying they haven't mastered it? We weren't talking about that. But I think that was just partly they didn't have time with story development. They needed, they would have needed a few more missions to build that up. And, I mean, they didn't They didn't have that. They might not have had the time to produce it. It would have been awesome to see, like, I'll forgive them for that one. The other thing that kind of surprised me too was uh, in, we'll, we'll go back to House of Wolves. You would do the first mission and then there would be a quest that you would do to, for, uh, where you would kill Fallen to pick up the what radio comm links or whatever on Vetus. I'm surprised that they, they didn't introduce something like that since that's a way to kind of lengthen and add story where you would go to on patrol or something and pick up, I don't know, uh, nodes to kind of learn more about the plague lands. At least something like that would have been cool. Um, you could have done that after the second mission, kind of introducing the player to the plague lands, uh, establishing beacons. I'm, I was surprised that when you finally do go on patrol, beacons are already set up. And especially after we did the beacon mission on the dreadnought in taken king it, it kind of was a little underwhelming and i i, caught, I kind of thought that it would have added some value to us putting down beacons kind of reintroducing or reopening the plague lands to the vanguard just something there to it seems like you're artificially extending the mission, but it adds if there's a little bit of uh, vo you know vocal recordings. Hey, this used to be a, an old uh, missile reactor, or this used to be something here, and now uh, it's become something. Just adding a little personality to the Playlands. The Playlands has plenty of personality. It just would have been cool if there was something, some sort of mission, kind of like the Beacons where you're learning more about either the plague lands or the characters themselves. When, when you do the, that patrol mission on the dreadnought, you kind of learn a little bit about Ikora, how she loves intelligence. It, you get a little bit of quips from Cade. I'm not saying that everything has to be funny. Uh, definitely this, uh, 
this campaign is not haha funny jokes. Like it's it's a pretty serious campaign. I actually enjoyed it for the most part, especially that final mission. Let me tell you, the final mission is by far the best story mission ever created in Destiny, hands down. I agree. The, uh, it, it was nice to actually see some twist and plot development in a story. I just wish that instead of three, that you fought them all and that they all looked a little bit different. It was kind of weird to me that they all looked the same. Which we should not say what they are, just in case people haven't played the story. Right. So if you haven't, I mean, just a heads up, probably a little bit late into the podcast. There are a few spoilers. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, 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 for the most part, I thought the campaign was fantastic. Already knew going in that it was going to be short. I'm just surprised that they didn't include a couple quests in the middle of the campaign to kind of add story to the to the game. It was cool f- while it lasted. And the final mission, fun, fun, fun. Just completely amazing. Best story mission ever done in Destiny. It's hard to top it. Yeah. Um, so for... With regards to the campaign, I'm giving it a solid 8 out of 10. Okay, okay. I would give it... I think I'm going to give it a 7. 7 out of 10. It was good. It was just... That one mission brought it down for me. Feeling super short. Mm. The Mars? Yeah. But it it was good. Overall, it was good. My my only complaint with the campaign would be... um, it didn't even have to do with the campaign itself. It was with the quests afterwards. Cause in Taken King, um, we had well, this, well, let's not, let's not talk about the quest afterwards. Cause I, I kind of know where you're kind of going with that. So let, let's just talk about the actual main campaign. Well, I was, I was just going to say, it's not really talking about the quest more. I was just okay. saying, uh, the Taken King used the quests afterwards to further the story. Whereas mm-hmm. this one had very few and they didn't really further the story. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and then let's go ahead and just talk about that a little bit. Uh, there's a couple quests that you can, that you have access to. Um, and one big gigantic quest, which I'm, we're going to talk about afterwards, uh, that just doesn't show up. And that was annoying me. Um, you have the Galahorn quest, obviously the big one that everybody wanted. The Galahorn quest shows up after you complete the main story mission that you have to do, find a research uh, patrol mission, the one with the ghost on it, while you're in the Archon's Keep area. Archon's Keep area is the one with lava. You go through the Archon's Forge into an area um, that you're going through in the, story, the final story mission. You have to scan something behind a fallen walker. You'd, you don't actually have to kill the Fallen Walker. You have to stun it and then scan it and then get the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> Which I did on my other character, by the way. I just killed it. <laughs> um, and then you go into, into parts where you're, you're finding the wolf heads throughout the Plaguelands. And uh, I, I, want, I keep wanting to say Tower, but it's the, the Iron Temple. Uh, the Iron Temple... Uh, by the way, the Iron Temple jumping puzzle, brilliance. It's, it's really, really cool when you finally master it. I know people were ripping their hair out. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, 
the Gallahorn quest is actually really, really cool. And it adds more lore and mystique to you being an Iron Lord when you finally get surrounded. Th- that mission alone, teach the final mission for Gallahorn, teaches you why they got rid of PS3 and Xbox One support. Because I really doubt that they that the Xbox One and the PS3 would have been able to handle the amount of enemies that are just constantly firing at you. You spawn into the bat, uh, not Bannerfall. That's the mission before Skyshock. You spawn. You spawn into Skyshock. Thank you. And you're just pelted by enemies. They're just gunning you left and right and oh my god it, it's awesome trying to do that mission alone is tough i did it with one other person and we were having a blast just putting down super after super after super and they were still coming after you it's like oh man if you use zalo in that mission with your super oh it's so much fun i really hope really really hope that they make that into the daily heroic in some way, shape, or form, because I think that would be fantastic. As that's kind a, of tough. Like, if everything's higher light and there's that many enemies shooting at you, that's pretty tough. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I want it. <laughs> um, yeah, just a, a couple of the quests, they add personality and, and, and identify you as an Iron Lord. He keeps calling you the young wolf. I, I I didn't have too many problems with the quest. The the problem is, you realize quickly the amount of content in this in this DLC from those quests because you already get the big exotics pretty quickly. You get the Kavostov the second you get one of the Siva Intel keys. You just gotta go to the right spot. You get the Gallahorn pretty quickly just by getting the the wolf heads, and then Thorn just appears. Just like it did in year one when you turn in the weekly bounties, or bounties in general, I should say. It just shows up, and then you just got to do the same quest that you did in year one. They made it slightly easier. They removed the the penalty. And then you finally just use Thorn, and bam, you're you're, you're back to where you were before. So I I just think that the questing system kind of took a step back from what it was in year one. I'm not saying it has to be super hard or or super annoying and super grindy like it was in year two, but at least you knew that there was a good amount of questing going on and there was story added to these quests. I don't get that same feeling for the most part in year three. Yeah, it's it's just like I said before, I just feel like they didn't really use the quest to further the story along and there weren't very many of them. Just a disappointment to me because quests are something that I feel like they are still underutilizing in Destiny. If they want to keep Destiny fresh, and I've said this before, all they have to do is release like a five, six step quest every month and people come back to do that quest. They'll be like, all right, first week of the month, new quest. Let me do this quest. Next week, Iron Banner. All right, I'll do Iron Banner this week. And they just need to do stuff like that to keep people coming back. And it really wouldn't be that hard to release a five, six step quest. Well, they kind of are doing that. Um, One thing that we didn't mention is you get a weekly quest that you do every week for patrols in the Plaguelands. Okay, and that's not not a quest. That's a bounty. I know, (laughs) I know. But uh, it is kind of cool that you are getting a weekly quest 
that will show up. The reason we already know this is when you look in the Iron Book or whatever, the, the year three book, it is one of the things that, that is a highlighted node that, that tells you to do the weekly quest for patrols. So that that's something that, that we are going to get every week. But it, it, David is right. It would be cool if there were more quests that appeared monthly or every two months, something like that. Something that, that tides you over. Maybe a little bit of voice recordings. I don't know. But let's go ahead and talk about this, the strike and reforge strikes. Start off with the new one, the Wretched Eye, where you go into a hive nest deep in the bunker. What did you think of this, that one so far, David? Uh, it was pretty cool. Um, they did add some new mechanics with the whole uh, having an invincible enemy running at you, which I thought was cool. It uh, was kind of a pain in the neck in Nightfall, but uh, we got it done <laughs> without cheesing it, too. Stop cheesing it, people. You're just making the game not as fun for yourself. <laughs> One of the cool things is, yes, we already knew that it was going to be in a new area. But the actual area that opens up for the main strike is pretty early on. Normally, when you do a strike, it, it's in an area that, that, is, that you can go on and patrol. And then only the final area is something that you can't access. Um, I'll use an example, the Sepix Prime strike. All of that, you can, all that area for the strike, you can go on patrol. The only area that you can't go into the patrol would be the um, area behind the door behind the Fallen Walker. Well, in this strike, you cr we cross the bridge that you do on patrol. You go to the right side into the bunker. The main door, the big door in front of you is not accessible on patrol. You have to do the strike. That's and when you go through, there's a whole lot more area into it. And, and it's, it's one of those moments where you're like, wow, this is, there's a, there's a lot of this, this place feels gigantic. And it's really cool. Now I haven't, gotten too many modifiers that that they were talking about i i was under the impression that there would be for example like three doors you would go through through one of the doors and then there would be different encounters i didn't get as many encounters as these that the, as they mentioned at the start yeah i remember that they're like oh you'll go different ways each time i don't even think i've gone different ways it feels like it's been the same every time i played it yeah, for for me, I, I feel like I've I've gone the same exact way. The only difference would be instead of fallen, it would be hive, or yeah. So you it, the the goal is still go into it, destroy the siva, destroy the ads, go to the next area, destroy the siva, destroy the ads, next area. So I, I was kind of put off by that. And it had nothing to do with the actual strike. The, the strike I thought was pretty cool. Um, there, there's a lot of verticality, which is a different thing in PVE. Normally, we're used to gigantic areas, enemies left and right. Enemies are up and down. And then when you get into the air and into the actual rooms, you get into a little bit of a claustrophobic feel. There's enemies around you. That's really cool, especially when it's the fallen version. Because there's sometimes those ninja vandals that just vanish and you're like, where did you come from? <laughs> so 
I, I I like the strike a lot. The boss, ooh, the boss, the boss is really really cool when it's normal. When it's Arcworm, the problem with that boss is that there's enemies falling from the ceiling, and that would be cool if they had no burn. But when that's a nightfall and it has arc burn, uh, that's shanks just light you up, man. I, I I don't mind challenges, but sometimes there's there's too much of a challenge, uh, or or it just seems really really cheesy and unfair. Kind of like when it, it, it feels like an old Nintendo. I'm talking about the old old regular Nintendo cheese where you would have to memorize a, a place and if you went through a door all of a sudden there's a trap door that just drops you to your death you're like how would i have known that i just wasted a life that that's stupid and in 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 many respects it feels like an old nes cheese that maybe would have been better if it was just normal shanks that dropped down with 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 no burn but this is arc bird they just from the top dropping shots after shots and you're like how did i die sometimes you don't even see the shanks and you're already dead it kind of turned me off a little bit i don't mind challenges but not when it seems like it's too much cheese which we all know destiny is a game of fromage <laughs> they already found a glitch for that strike they already they're already grinding the heck out of it uh me and david we went in with one of our friends eli and yeah we just had a blast we we finally beat uh kovic yeah kovic the the boss and his monster which is a giant ogre with no eye and it's a blast when you finally get past the shank section that that shank section Oh my god, it's tough. You have to actually you have to look up in the sky, you have to take them all out before they drop down. And, and I get that they that they want you to shoot at those shanks and, and take them out. Otherwise you're just gonna go against overwhelming odds. But mm. you know, the, the other really cool thing about that boss fight is it completely changed up the dynamic of boss fights we're used to seeing because one, there wasn't just a billion ads spawning in. There was just like three waves, I think it was, of ads. And once you took them out, yep. that was it. But the majority of the fight, it was just a giant ogre running at you that you couldn't damage. And it just made you move. You couldn't sit back and snipe the boss. You had to be moving at all times. We had like our own techniques for staying separate and pulling the ogre towards individual people to like help others it was a t it was a blast because they changed up the dynamic of a boss fight which is something they haven't done very much in the past few strikes they've released yeah uh the only thing i will say is that that ogre is sometimes a little unresponsive um i, I kind of want the I, I thought the concept was really really cool um and where you would have two people doing damage and one person kind of distracting the ogre uh it just seems that there's sh that he should respond to you if you shoot him and sometimes he just doesn't so that, that's just my my two cents on that i, I for the most part I, I think that strike is fantastic um it just seems like there's a couple things that kind of at the last boss battle that are a little mm, questionable uh let's talk about the the reef the reformatted strikes uh you got sepkis perfected uh, where instead of going through the normal Cosmodrome version, 
you're going through the Plagueland version. It's virtually the same exact thing. You go through the same area. You do the same thing. There's still that laser grid. Um, when you're doing the laser grid, sometimes you'll get the fallen version. Sometimes you'll get the hive version. The hive version is actually dangerous when it's uh, arc burn because there's boomers and the wizards. Um, and then when you go to the area where um, you're fighting the um, the tank, sometimes there's no tank. Sometimes it's all hive. And by the way, let's let's talk about the hive a little bit. It's it's amazing to me. The Hive have been in every single DLC in some way, shape, or form. This is the really first. Like the hive, man. They they really love the Hive, and they always play into the story in some way, shape, or form. Uh, in the only time that they kind of took a backseat a little bit was the House of Wolves, but they still showed up in Prison of Elders. So, whatever. Um. They have the little traps that they put down now, which I'm surprised that they did introduce earlier. But uh, yeah, I, the, the strike was for the most part fine. It the the last the actual boss battle was really really cool the way they did Sepix. Uh, you're constantly surrounded by ads. They close the door finally, so you have to be inside that room. They open the lower area in, so you cannot just hide away from Sepix or the ads. They will go after you. Uh, you're constantly moving. There's SIVA all around, so you, you can't get into cheese spots that you were in before because the SIVA will just burn you until you die. Um, and then they added that little dynamic where he, he'll get a shield every so often and you have to kill a, a Scorch Captain, a Shock Captain, or a Null Captain, which is Arc Solar Void. Um and you have to go ahead and t drop a shield with with the cannon which is a mechanic that they introduced back in house of wolves that they finally go in full in this dlc it's really really cool um the, the fight is fun the music is fantastic for that fight um it's it's just a little it's it's a bit of a shame that they didn't add more to that reformatted strike it just it just seems the kind of they're, they're happy with the way it was, and they were like, eh, we'll just add different types of enemies, different types of encounters. That's it. Yeah. What'd you think of Sepix Perfected? Uh, I thought it was... Uh, it, it felt fresh, but it was still a reused strike, and I still want them to do new strikes instead. It's... Yeah, it wasn't anything special, but it felt good, I guess. The one uh, reformatted strike that did feel a little bit more fresh than Sepix was the red. Uh, I almost said wretched eye. The the abomination heist, which is the redone um, summoning pit strike. Everything's pretty much the same. Um, you still have the hive or fallen, which can show up, and. They kind of take a cue from the Taken King uh, raid where there's the jumping puzzles with the tomb ships. At first, when uh, when you hear Shiro says, I don't care if you have to jump on tomb ships, I need you in the summoning pits. You're like, okay, that's just a joke. No, he's actually kind of serious. There's there's a tomb ship that's waiting for you. As soon as you jump on, there's another. you have to jump to another one and then you go into the summoning pits. That, that was kind of fun. 
That was cool. Uh, the boss itself, it's pretty much what it was before when it was with Fogoth. Now it's just the the abom. Uh, what is it? What did they give the name to the new ogre? I actually don't know because I haven't done the strike yet. You haven't done the strike? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. So when I've grinded out strikes, I've never actually gotten that one yet. Well, it, it's not Fogoth. They they give it something else, and um, it the room itself hasn't changed too much. Uh, they do close the door behind you, so you have to be in the room. They they remove the cheeses that you had before. Um, you are constantly moving around the hive. the The full on hive version of that strike is pretty tough if you're on arc burn because the boomers they're up top on the four corners and you have to shoot them off i thought it was pretty well done occasion if it's the the high version you'll occasionally get blades of the pit which kind of intrigued me that that they have swords in there i i, I maybe i'm just speculating but it just seems weird that you have swords in a fight with a giant ogre Wait, you don't want to go run up and sword an ogre? No, it's just, it, it seems like they, <laughs> they, 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 those swords are there for something. I think they're there what they're just there for, enemies. I don't know. As much as oh, I no. want for them to be for something else, I think they're there to hit enemies. <laughs> <laughs> all in all, I, I think that the, the strikes were okay. Um, the... The wretched eye strike was really, really cool. It just I, I expected more because they mentioned that there was more or that there was gonna be different paths, and it didn't seem that way. Um as for the reformatted strikes, they are what they are. Um Sepik is pretty cool at the as a boss. The strike itself was just regular. Um and then the abomination heist was okay. It, it, I mean it's not bad, but but it's the same strike up until you get to the jumping puzzle at the end. So all in all, I give the strikes about it. I'll give it a seven. I'm being nice. Seven out of 10. Uh, well, I haven't played the third one, so I guess I can't give a full fair judgment, but he's withholding judgment for I'm right. With, now. I'm withholding judgment for now, but on an individual strike, I'll give the new strike a score. Of an 8 out of 10. So let's go ahead and talk about the big part of the game that is very questionable. And, and by questionable, I mean, wow, what the heck were they thinking? So most people are going to be, we'll say, 320 or above. 320 is the light that you should be starting the game at, um, which you can get pretty quickly um, from the blue engrams or whatever, the drops that come from the game. From the campaign, they drop two blues after every uh, story mission. And one of the people who was actually playing with me at launch hadn't played since earlier on in Taken King. And he was only level like 302. So it was dropping mm -hmm. 320s for him versus 340s for me and Eli. Right. So so he was doing, so he, he got leveled up pretty quickly. He did. Yeah. Um, the main campaign itself um, will get you to 320, maybe 330. Uh, the problem is um, once you complete the campaign, you're nowhere near anything that would resemble anything close 
to being ready for the for the raid. The the main thing that everybody was grinding for this week was the raid. Uh, the raid says recommended light three seventy, and they do mean recommended light of three seventy. Um, you you should go in at least at three sixty five. Which is funny because Bungie said three sixty, so they kind of right. gave you this false expectation. Right. Um, let's talk about one of the things that they mentioned that was going to level you up the fastest. And they mentioned Archon's Forge. So you finally do Archon's Forge um, when, you, when you open up the Plague Lands. But you are only able to do it if you get an offering. These offerings, you can only carry one of them at a time. No matter what the level. No matter what the difficulty. If, it's, if it, you have green, blue, and purple... So uncommon, rare, uh, legendary, legendary. <laughs> and you can't just drop it. You have to, yeah, either have to use it or you lose it. And they don't show up frequently, so you can't go into Archon's Forge as frequently as you might want. And when you finally do Archon's Forge, you might not get a reward. Yeah, there's going to be blues and greens. By the way, there's blues and greens all over the place when you do this. this oh, yeah. Scene. If you want armor material and weapon parts, go play Archon's Forge. Right. Um, but with regards to the actual Archon's Forge itself, you're just not going to... There's times where you're not going to get anything. And any legendaries that have dropped for me, they'll drop up to 365 and that's it. Which is fine if you're, if you're trying to go for um, the raid and get raid ready. But the fact that you don't even get... It's more rewarding to do a, a strike, which could give you 365 blue armor and weapons. And you can't get that from Archon's Forge, even though they mentioned that that was supposed to be the best way to level yourself up. I mean, I, I have a couple clanmates that did the Archon's Forge, the purple version. They actually beat the boss and they got nothing. Yeah, it's it's weird because this is supposed to be one of the like end game things for this expansion, kind of like uh, Court of Oryx was, and it's not end game at all. It's not dropping high level stuff. It's barely dropping stuff when you're doing it. And the purple ones, which like, I mean, Antiquated Runes took a slight challenge because, I mean, you had to learn the mechanic of whatever the boss was and then go for it, but it was doable. This one's weird in the fact that um, these these purple, like the legendary Archon's Forge things kind of put like a strike boss. And by the time you get to this strike boss, you have about two and a half, three minutes to kill it. So if you're not a higher light level than it and it's at 370, you're not going to kill it in the amount of time because you won't be able to do enough DPS. But you can't get higher light level than it by doing Archon's Forge. Yeah, it's really disappointing because I'm 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 trying to remember which which podcast or or what that they mentioned that Archon's Forge was going to be the way to level yourself up. I'm almost positive it's a Game Informer podcast. I, I I'm gonna have to confirm later on after the recording, but I'm. I remember them saying Archon's Forge was the way to go to level yourself up, and it so far has not been that for me. I've gotten cloaks, cloaks after cloak. I I did get the sniper rifle, 
uh, a fantastic roll on that sniper rifle. I got one with triple tap, and um, it just absolutely melts. It, it, it's it's a it's a it has a little bit more impact than your LDR archetype. It's kind of that weird spot with the Amalon sniper. It just absolutely melts. It has it, it has the the sights that don't change. Um, and it's, it's absolutely, it's, it's my favorite weapon from the new expansion that's, so far. I'd like to get it, a weapon from Archon's Forge. <laughs> it looks fantastic. It feels fantastic. It sounds fantastic. And I just, I use it everywhere, especially during the arc burn. Cause it was, I got the arc version of it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm the only thing I'm disappointed about with Archon's Forge is at least give us blue. It'd be nice if it was a blue artifact that would drop from Arcot's Forge. From B, if you complete it, you get a blue drop, an armor piece that can, or a weapon piece, or an artifact that can drop up to three sixty-five. Notice that I keep hinting at artifact. We'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it just seems that Arcon's Forge, the reward system, needs to be looked at, and they probably need to change. A couple things up with regards to the Siva offering. The Siva offering, it's a small little orb that you can easily miss. Yeah, it, it drops like um, the antiquated runes drop in, or any runes really drop in Taken King, where it's that little white mini engram, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. There's There's a lot of stuff with this leveling as a whole with this expansion that was just a little weird. Like you mentioned artifacts. Um, where are they? Well, they're in old stuff. Go level up Aeris again. And then, I mean, let's be honest. Everybody who was getting raid ready was running strikes and mainly on the goal farming, which yeah. I don't understand why when you would release a, a new expansion, say the raids coming out Friday, go get raid ready. By the way, you can't do any of the new content to get raid ready. You got to go farm old raid, old content to get raid ready. Like, why yep. would you do that? Why would you not want people to be grinding on the new content? Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about the strikes themselves. It's a weird system. So we already know that we have the legacy strike playlist, which is the ones that are from, uh, what is it? The, the Taken King on back. Um, those are at a set level. They, they're not going to go any higher. So most likely nobody's using those for leveling up. So we move on. We got the two new strike playlists. You have the, um, the Siva crisis playlist, which is 320. You have the Siva crisis heroic, which is 350. And you obviously have the nightfall, which is 360. Let's, so Let's talk about the, the, the two Siva Crisis. It's weird. Well, let's talk about Siva Crisis uh, regular first, because that one's the weirdest to me. I'm still trying to figure out the use for that, and maybe if they goofed. The reason I say that is it's a, it's a strike playlist that's 320 minimum light. Or, yeah, it's 320 recommended light. And when you do them, um, when you beat the boss, you get engrams that drop up to 320 or, or 340. I'm sorry, drops that, that go up to 340. I apologize. Drops that go up to 340. Armor material, uh, uh, armor or weapons. 
The reason that's weird is they introduce a new system in the game where you can select any strike in the game from the director. Let's say I wanted to specifically do Sepix Perfected. I wanted to do the Sepix Perfected strike. I go into the director, go into uh, the, the Cosmodrome, select the Sepix Prime strike, change difficulty to 320, boom, I'm in there. What's the, what's the issue? If I select the individual strike and kill the boss at a 320 difficulty level, the, the drops will be 365. But if I do the strike playlist, which is the same difficulty, the drops will be 340. Yeah, and that is why everybody was Omnigo farming. Everybody would go in, select um, Omnigo, go to the point where she first despawned in, tether her, kill her, wipe, reset, go at it again and again. I mean, I did it for like eight hours, and I got all three of my characters to 365. But it's just weird because we're not playing new content. We're not playing the highest level strikes. We're not getting actual loot that should really matter. We're just farming for these 365s that are coming from kind of a whacked out system in the game. Yeah, the, 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 they need to make it so that the SIVA crisis strikes drop up to 365 because it just doesn't make sense that I can choose. And, and to be honest, that they need to do something else so that you can get 365, but it just seems very weird that I, I'm choosing a playlist that has the same difficulty as if you were to select the normal ver mode version for or current normal, ver nor normal mode <laughs> version of 320 on the director and you get penalized for choosing the playlist version as opposed to going into the director and selecting a specific strike. Which, by the way, they, they added that 320 difficulty to every strike except the Nexus. Yeah. And you also have to do the 320 playlist for the book. Not the right. heroic ones, the regular ones. Right. That just, that just seems really, really backwards to me. I, I, I don't get it. Um, and I hope Bungie addresses it up with a hot fixes coming Tuesday because it just seems weird that you're penalized severely for choosing the, the playlist. Um, I, I, I don't get that system at all. Um, the heroics versions will drop to 365 and then you get a better chance of getting skeleton keys. That should be the reason why you do the heroic is for the skeleton keys. Whereas you do the normal to level yourself up. Yeah, the other thing... Because it, 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 I, was, I felt like I was wasting time when I chose the regular SIVA Crisis playlist. Yeah. So. And the other thing I don't really understand is, like, no matter where you get them, blue engrams are dropping up to 340. Like, I understand that you want to cap... Decrypting up to 340. Yeah, decrypting up to 340 as their cap. And... I understand that you want to stop like blues from working at a point, but in Taken King, blues were the way we got raid ready. They could decrypt up to 300. And in this one, they can't even decrypt up to what you said was raid ready, which realistically isn't necessarily raid ready. 
they're only decrypting up to 340, but you can get 365 blues from killing strike bosses over and over in a 320 difficulty thing. There's just, I don't, I don't mind that. And the reason why I, I, I don't mean to interrupt you is the legendaries will decrypt up to 365. And that's what you should be using to get into the raid is the legendaries. Right. But so, they gave us three days to get raid ready. I know, I, but that's more of a symptom of the playlist and not so much the actual engrams. If, if the system, if the system was working properly with regards to the loot drop, which it's it, it, so, okay. Another, another problem, which I'm going to be jumping into while answering that or while, while adding to what David was talking about there. There, the other issue is artifacts rarely drop, and I'm talking about blue artifacts. Well, you mean, not even talking about it's, not even talking about the chance to decrypt them. The, the artifact system needs to be reworked completely. It 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 makes no sense that they still haven't introduced an artifact engram, and the reason I say that is it, at this at this point we need artifacts to be dropping as frequently as arms legs chest all that stuff it, it makes no sense why we still are getting the random chance of getting an artifact from decrypting those these engrams they they just don't show up and it it is a thing that is holding our light back significantly um all three of my characters the only way that they'll get a 370-something artifact is if I transfer them over. When I'm almost feeling like if everybody needs to have an artifact, why not, why not add... You already have blues in there. You already, you already have plenty of artifacts that you can use that you can easily add increased light. Just, just add an engram, uh, an actual artifact engram. Because right now, the only way to kind of guarantee yourself, and I say kind of because it's not a guarantee that you'll get it. The only way to consistently get a higher light artifact is to level up Eris Morn. Well, what's the problem? The only thing that'll level her up will be her bounty, which shows up when, you, when you're doing Court of Oryx. And doing Court of Oryx. Or if you really, really want, you can do Crota's End to level her up. Moral content. So you're doing year, you're doing year two content, possibly year one if you want to do Crota's End. But you're doing year two content to get an artifact, which may or may not show up. Yeah, it's not even get, an get the chance drop. of getting an artifact. Like, like artifacts should be part of strike drops. The blues that are dropping, it, it doesn't make any sense why I am struggling to get an artifact or have to grind as hard as I am to get an artifact at three sixty five. Well, that's it. it go ahead. Well, well, one thing is like it's not even getting artifacts to drop. It's you have to get artifacts to drop legendary. Because the artifacts, if they do decrypt and are blue, because sometimes it'll randomly decrypt a blue artifact, they're not going higher than 340. Correct. And we need something over 350 at least, because 350 is what you get from Tyra or whatever her name is. 
Or Tyra Banks, yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I feel like this, we could talk about this all day because it's just annoying with the, the whole artifact systems messed up. The, the current engram system is a little messed up. The way to levels messed up. And honestly, what annoyed me the most is it feels like they rewarded everyone who stocked up engrams, but they, it, they didn't say stock up engrams from the past. So some people did. Some people had the, oh, this is a expansion mentality. Then they released stuff. So they were like, oh, burn all your engrams because uh, they wanted people to do specials and uh, stuff to try and get trespass or whatever. But they rewarded all the people that saved up their engrams who then had a much easier time getting to higher light if they did it properly by saving their engrams till after you were 365. Hint, hint, if you haven't leveled up yet. And... I don't know. I, I don't like the fact that they rewarded the hoarders. Yeah. Uh, they already had, there was already somebody that reached 385 on day one, which more power to you. I have no ill will against that. I don't mind the, the fact that, um, that people hoarded their engrams and they were rewarded for that, for that. My big concern is, as a player, if I want to do a raid, I have to rely on my teammates being able to do enough damage or being able to do enough of um, the mechanics. And for the most part, mechanic-wise, we were fine when we did the raid. I'm j- jumping a little ahead. Mechanics-wise, we were, we were fine enough with regards to doing the, uh, the raid. It's just being able to tank enough damage and to be able to do enough damage. Yeah. And the fact that we simply could not because, for example, D- David here, when we did the raid the first time, his lowest light level item was an artifact, and it was lower by by five, which means that he is stuck at that level until he can get a higher artifact. It's true. I had and a 360 artifact, could not get a drop from the raid over 365. It sucked. Yeah, So so... It, it it just seems so weird that artifacts just don't drop. And it, I don't want that. I get why they have it in there because of, of, of a math system. But if that's the case, you have to introduce a legendary artifact that you can get. Or, or just make it so that there's an artifact engram. Or artif- an artifact drops from doing these strike playlists. That way we can get 360. I'm not asking you to give us 385 artifacts. I I am perfectly fine going into Court of Orcs for the most part um, to level up Eris. But at this point in time, it seems like Eris is the only way to get artifacts. And maybe you really do need to introduce more bounties to level up Eris. Because grinding something that you might not have the currency for. If you don't have antiquated runes, the only other place to really get antiquated runes is from doing the King's Fall raid. Do you honestly want to do a year two raid to get some a chance of something from a chest to be able to do another activity from year two? To possibly get a random drop or, yeah, a random drop 
so that you can do year three. So well, look at look at the progression here. You have to do a raid from year two to get something that you use on patrol on the old patrol for year two to have a chance to get a drop from an NPC chance because yeah. you're not guaranteed an artifact to be able to do a year three raid. And there's some, the other thing you're missing is Eris Morn, once you're, I think it's at level five it starts, is 3,000 experience to level up. That's yep. 30 antiquated runes. 30 antiquated runes. However, you can speed that up by doing her bounties a little bit. A little bit, but you get one a, a day. Little bit. Right, so that's why I'm saying I, I, I think that they need to introduce, reintroduce bounties. She used to have more bounties. Still have that, that bounty that randomly appears if you do Court of Oryx. But she used to have bounties that say, for example, kill Taken or take uh, t kill Hive, Champions, whatever. <laughs> Just do something to get experience. Well, and you need to be able to level her up because right now she's the only source of, of artifacts and maybe do something with Lord Saladin where he's he gives you quests to, to get artifacts. I, I don't know. It just seems so weird to me that they didn't really. It, it feels like they, they ignored this gigantic part of leveling up, something that they introduced in the previous game. And it's and an artificial even, way of they even added you. new styles of artifacts in. Yeah, they they didn't introduce any new real artifacts outside of the the memory of Yolder and and all those other ones from that you get from Tyra Banks. She'll be forever called Tyra Banks on the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. Well, I I think it's time we talk about mash those buttons. What do you think, Jorge? Go ahead. Ah, well, mash those buttons is your ultimate resource for video game commentary reaction and involvement by a variety of opinionated and informed gamers who love gaming of all kinds. Covering a large swath of gaming, we cover the latest news and information on the games you care about and always provide unfiltered commentary and fun. Check out all the killer podcasts available today on Mash Those Buttons Network at www.mashthosebuttons.com. All right, and with that, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the big piece of content that everybody's been waiting for for months it seems like everybody's been talking about it for the longest time we're of course talking about wrath of the machine which is this expansion's raid and I don't, taking it as a whole it's an extremely fun raid extremely fun the bosses have great mechanics it feels like they're they're personal encounters you're constantly swarmed by enemies um i personally think that the death zamboni is the most creative use of a quote-unquote boss ever designed in a in a shooter it is by far the most fun experience that i've ever seen or i've ever had in the game it is amazing the fact that there's no actual boss and it feels more dynamic than any encounter that we had on the Dreadnought for Taken King. I'm not trying to poo-poo um, King's Fall or anything, but it is by far the most fun and chaotic and crazy experience knowing that you have to destroy the Death Zamboni which is charging towards you. I've actually been hit by the Zamboni a couple of times because we just didn't do enough damage. <laughs> it's hilarious <laughs> just watching your your health just like 
gone. And then you have to repair it so that it can plow through another. It's just amazing the amount of teamwork. And I hope and I pray that they look at this encounter as something that they can, I don't want to say emulate, but kind of take a note from that not every encounter has to be a boss, but it can be a big time event. Like, for example, say the Cabal Raid, say a part of the raid has you engaged in a gigantic war where you have to go from one side to the other and you have to do certain things, deactivate a bomb, hold something. Just It doesn't have to be an actual boss. You know what I mean, David? Oh, yeah. No, totally. I agree 100%. And that I agree. Like, this was probably my favorite encounter of the raid just because um, like it, it wasn't like super hard to figure out. Like some of the bosses were, where it took us a couple tries to figure out what was going on. Okay, should we do this? Should we do that? Oh, here's a way we can be safe. This was more straightforward. Like I'm pretty sure right away we were just like, all right, let's damage parts of it. Okay, this kind of like seems like it's working, but it was just fun to have this very, it's very chaotic as it's coming at you. And um, then you have the second part of it where you have to like work, very much work as a team to carry all these pieces to fish fix the ship and it was awesome like you said that it wasn't a boss it was just an encounter and the encounter felt like it was a raid worthy encounter you were working with your team it was awesome i agree 100 percent that there wasn't anything in taken king that felt like this and i was really happy with this encounter right um another thing too not so much talking about the actual difficulty or anything like that but the look of the actual raid like you go from old Russia to underground and then all of a sudden like you're big into hard technology and, and when you get to the final area where you see where the boss is at and you go and you see the red SIVA I, I don't know what how exactly Chamber think maybe of, right. Think of the, the chamber of the last story mission. How it's all covered in SIVA tanglement. This one is like clean. It's it's very imposing. If it, it almost feels like something out of Terminator. Like it is really, really imposing. The actual physical look when you're in the the server farm maze. Um just the the fact that they added enemies to jumping puzzles, like it felt so refreshing to go through something like that where it wasn't a super hard to figure out jumping puzzle. Like you could pretty much figure out exactly where you needed to go. I think the jumping puzzle at uh, Paul Winter's Peak might have been harder. Oh yeah, that, that was definitely harder. Um, it just felt right. Like it felt dynamic and it felt different. And there's so many secrets. We already know that there's, if you activate terminals throughout the raid in a specific order, you get to go to a final room at the boss and it's really really cool to see that kind of level of detail that kind of level of secrets and and things that you have to unlock i i i'm almost guaranteeing you there's dozens of secrets in that raid that we just haven't explored and i am excited because i feel that there are hidden exotics throughout that raid that you can activate or open up that we just haven't gotten to yet i mean i know bungie already confirmed that there are things in there that we haven't seen at all and i'm i'm so so excited to just jump in there and explore 
I would love to be able to explore the entire raid. It, it feels so amazing. And it feel, it, it's hard to believe I'm saying this. But it feels larger than Vault of Glass, even though it takes you at around the same amount of time the first time you did it to get to the final area. It it just it feels so large and and important that you like the final boss. All they really did was modify an Archon priest, the Archon priest captain archetype. Sticks stick them on some machine and called it a day but it felt like just look wise everything look wise the, the the first boss encounter the way he looks the the zamboni the, the the just everything looks so fantastic and it's my favorite looking raid definitely by a mile i'm not gonna call it my favorite raid so far because hey it's the first week i'm still digesting it but i can't explain how happy i am with this raid even though, as of this time, it's already been three-manned, and as of recently, it's been two-manned. The raid has been <laughs> two-manned, and that's blowing my mind. I, I didn't even know like that would be possible with some of the dynamics in it. Yeah, in, in case you didn't know, um, the same people that two-manned it were the first people that did Crota Solo... Um, I apologize. I don't have the name on me right now, but I just heard about it as I'm walking in, um, to do this recording and I'm just, it's just, it doesn't disappoint me because that shows the creativity of, of the, of the community, to be honest, but it does bring up something in that. Do you believe that Bungie intentionally makes it so that there's the possibility that it could be two-manned and it might cheapen the feel of the raid? Um, I mean, I don't know. There, it was obvious that they didn't want people to um, kind of cheese through uh, taking King uh, King's Fall. King's Fall raid with just two people because there are many dynamics where you can't go through the raid without four people. It's as simple as that with how Taken King was formed. And with this one, it didn't really have the same setup to the point where it would make it so that you can't go through it with uh, slightly less people. I don't think they intend for you to do it, but I think when they built this one, they didn't try and stop you from doing it. And I think they understand, especially after people were going into the Oryx fight and trying to solve the Oryx fight, I think Bungie's understanding that, um, yes, it may, to the outside, look like it's not good that someone can do it, but to the community, it's quite the feat to be able to see someone go through and do this in three people with two people, and eventually I'm sure we'll see someone solo it. Well, you can't actually solo it, mm -hmm. now that I think about it, because of the cooldown. But mm -hmm. I... To see people do it with two people, yeah, it only took a couple days, but I guarantee you they're putting hours upon hours each day since release to doing this. Yeah, I'm not going to give a grade to Wrath of the Machine as of present recording. I actually have yet to beat it, and um, it, it's not so much mechanics, even though there are points where I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some of my teammates and I'm like, what are you doing? But that's beside the point. Um, 
I'm just joking, guys. I love you for the most part. Anyway. Um, He's not joking. The problem is that because of artifacts, like as I mentioned, I'm not trying to go back to the topic. But it's really relevant to Wrath of the Machine. And I believe that a lot of the frustration that people are having with the raid. And I'm not I'm not saying that absolutely everyone that does a raid has to complete it first week, first try, whatever. But you have to at least have the opportunity to complete it. And to Bungie's detriment, they did two things that shot themselves in the foot. The issue with the artifacts. And then the issue with putting out the raid the same week it's released. And we said it before in year two. It's like, oh man, you you released the raid that same week. Why would you do that? It's like, can you just like push it back another week? So everybody was bum rushing day one to get to the highest level. There was already a 385, as I mentioned, first day. And... It just, it, it takes away from the enjoyment of the game. And that's unfortunate. When you know that you aren't being checked because you don't know the dynamic of the fight. You're being checked because RNG won't let you proceed. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. Uh, with the artifact thing, we've already touched on quite a bit. But um, I've never thought it the right or a good idea at all to have the raid come out the same week as release. Um, I think, I mean, as a creator, I understand you wanting to get this out there for everybody. And I know the community wants it, but I think you need to create an environment where people are enjoying your content and they're making it. So while people do enjoy the content because it's good content, they're not thoroughly enjoying it because they're rushing through it you had tons of people i mean the majority of people who were at raid light level did the campaign once and then started farming um, omnigal farming was kind of discovered at the end of day one so everybody started doing the omnigal farm method and you you had people who were then taking away from this new content that's being released this new really awesome story and they were focusing more on just grinding to this light level and getting as high as they could. And this is the same reason why you had people saving up, like I said, tons and tons of engrams who then are rewarded for doing that because there was no cap on the engrams from taking King Era. They were just brought over. And you have people getting these 360, 370, and then 380 drops as they level up. And it it is creating this scenario when... And, a month or two months or three months, we'll see people say, oh, there wasn't enough content. I ate through it in a few weeks. Like, this is stupid. But it's not Bungie that made you eat through it. It's these players who are eating through it in the first days because Bungie is setting this raid precedent in the first week. Right. So um, with that, let's go ahead and venture over into PvP and let's talk about the supremacy mode because... Mm -hmm. You and I had a lot of fun playing Supremacy yesterday and the day before. Uh, and the day before. I, and the I'm day before. In, I'm sorry? <laughs> oh, I'm just saying every day. I've been on that oh, yeah. mode every day. Yeah, it, 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 it's a lot of fun. And not really talking about Supremacy here, but just Crucible in general. The fact that you're getting drops and drops and drops and drops. We're kind of talking about something we're going to talk about after Supremacy. But in Crucible, you're getting drops 
every other game, it seems like. And, and, and it just feels rewarding. It, it reminds me of House of Wolves, the way it felt, except the fact that you're getting, it feels like hundreds of different types of guns. Well, Even though they might be slightly different than others by very minuscule ways, it feels like every single archetype is available to you. And that's what I had a problem with big time in Taken King. You want a high rate of fire auto rifle? You got one. You want a high rate of fire pulse rifle? You definitely got one. You want a slow rate of fire pulse rifle? Hopscotch Pilgrim is back in there. You want a Suros archetype? Go for it. You Like every single type of pulse rifle, scout rifle, auto rifle, hand cannon, the ill will is back. That's that highest impact. It just, it feels really, really cool to have this type of, these types of guns back in the system. But <laughs> the problem is more than half of the guns are guns that have appeared in year one. It will, as I mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, that's a... I think it's House of Dark Wolves. Below? That, I think it's Dark Below. Is it? Okay. I, I remember I'm, I'm, getting them a bunch in House of Wolves, but I know Dark Below stuff was in House of Wolves, so... Yeah, I, I would have to check back on it. Don't quote me, but I know it was year one. Um, the, the rocket launcher, the matador is back. It, it like, it doesn't totally take away from the experience, but knowing that, for example, Galahorn, Thorn, um, matador, ill will, all these guns that we played around with and used in year one are back and they're going to be the same. In some cases, better. In some cases, worse than what they were in year one. And that's not an entirely bad thing, but at a certain point, you kind of scratch your head like, you made these awesome-looking sniper rifles, especially the one from um, Archon's Forge. You have the one from, from the Strike. A lot of them, though, are reskins, too. Uh, the the highest impact that you can get from uh, the, the chest from a Strike that one is a reskin of the sniper rifle from Prison of Elders. It, I mean, it is what it is, but at a certain point, you, you just kind of scratch your head like, maybe there's a little too much reskinning going on. But let's talk, let's go into supremacy. I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I get sidetracked so quickly. So, so quickly. <laughs> um, supremacy mode. Uh, if you didn't know what that is, you don't get points for kills. You kill somebody, they drop a crest, you collect a crest, you get a point for killing them, and you get a point for collection. If your teammate collects it, you get a point for killing them, they get a point for collection. So you're, you're, it's a two-point crest. How the points are divided are in that fashion. You can collect a teammate's crest who has been fallen, and you deny points. Now the problem with the mode is, Oh my God, are there so many shotgun rushers? Well, I mean, yes, in the mode, there are tons of shotgun rushers, but that, that's kind of seeping into all of Crucible right now. And it's this last balance is kind of set um, PvP in a very shotgun heavy manner, which we can talk about uh, completely in the next episode or the episode after. Uh, right now, focusing on Supremacy, though, uh, I, I love the game mode. I think it is 
fantastic. It's my most fun game mode to play right now. One of the most fun game modes I've played in Destiny. I mean, Rift, I think, still takes the cake for me, though, because Rift is just a ton of fun. But Supremacy is all I'm doing right now. I don't care that the only bounty for weeklies is about Supremacy because I'm playing it over and over. Um, you can you can play any playstyle. I mean, I mean, obviously, you need to have teammates you're communicating with if you're going to snipe. But you can be a distance player. You can be a close-up player. Um, it's fun because it no longer rewards just the skill of shooting. Um, it rewards the skill of knowing how to play smart and get in there and collect uh, tags without giving up your own um, collection. If you were to die trying to get the uh, engram collect or whatever they're called. Why am I calling? I know they look like engrams. I can't remember. Crest. Crests. Yes, thank you. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's just so much fun. And it's it can be very hectic. At times it literally feels like mayhem because people are getting supers galore and feeding off orbs. And then at times it's a little slower, but it's it's been fun. Like you said, yesterday I think we played for like, what, three hours straight with a team of six? And yeah, We got so many drops. Oh, we did. And that's the thing. Like, well, you were talking about the drops a little bit. The one thing I still think is, uh, well, right now it really does feel like Iron Banner. Like we're getting drops and you can actually use these drops to level up your weapons. You're consistently getting drops over and over again. The only thing I wish for is I still wish there was a very like, there was a um, playing Crucible specific armor set that you could get. That way you could be leveling up your armor as well as leveling up your weapons. But I mean, that probably won't happen anytime soon. Uh, If it did though, Bungie, I'd be very happy. But yeah, it is awesome. Like you're getting all these weapons. The weapons are good. Everything's rolling really well. Um, I mean, I don't know. Crucible just seems like a ton of fun right now, even though the shotguns are getting slightly obnoxious. You know what? I'm actually happier with a a more shotgun dominated or shotgun popular, I should say, because that makes it so that you have all these rushers who can't handle the mid-range or the long range as effectively. If you if if you the problem is people get into these situations where they love funneling into specific areas. The party room over in um what is it? Unearth the one with the cannons. Uh I don't know. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> you, you, you get you get funneled into areas where there's just it's just throwing grenades, grenades, and it forces people to start moving around or suffer the consequences. You you want to continue beating yourself to death in that same area? Be my guest. You want to be successful? Change your game gameplay style. Move to a different area. Move to an area where your where your specific weapon is at an advantage. If you see a shotgun rusher, keep backing up. If you're like me, pull out a fusion rifle, send them to the void from a distance. Pew pew and them with sidearms. They arms. can't do anything to you. It's just, you gotta be smart, smarter in this current meta. And I'm not sure that, that there's a way to really balance out the shotguns um, as they currently are. Um, I just, I still think there's something about those highest impact range. And I'm not talking about, I don't mind if it hits me and I, and I die. I just 
there's the range of a one-hit kill with the highest impact is still just absurdly high. Well, and and it it just seems like they need to check that stat because it doesn't seem to be working as intended. They have this problem that they've never really thought about, where they have the, I mean, they have the faster fire rates get the uh, shorter range and the slower fire rates get the bigger range but they also don't compensate for the impact and realistically um if they were going to balance the game those faster firing rate guns those faster firing shotguns should have more range because then it would kind of balance it out in a way it might create other problems because then you'd have people spamming a lot of shotgun shots but you're right like right now there's a big problem with impact range and shotguns and I mean, I obviously, I don't have the answer. I'm not going to pretend I do have the answer, but um, who knows if we'll ever see a true balance because no matter what Bungie does to shotguns, people always use the high impact because it's what's going to get you the fastest kill. It's why people were always using the 1,000-yard stare archetype. It was the universal uh, sniper rifle to kill people in one shot, and that's why people use the high-impact shotguns. That's why people use the low charge rate fusion rifles. That's why people use the fast fire rate um, any gun <laughs> for primaries and fast fire rate sidearms. It's because it's what has the fastest time to kill. And as much as Bungie can try and balance it, there's always going to be that little bit of unbalance, which people will, uh, I mean, lean towards. Yep. Um, so we already talked about the loot drops, so I don't think there's anything to be said. It's just really, it feels really rewarding, um, crucible-wise. Um, PvE, we already discussed for the most part, um, <laughs> but it, it is nice. The packages that you get, you, you, for example, I'll open up an armor set, for example, an armor package, and I'll get a class armor. I'll get uh, a ghost. I'll get an armor piece. And I know people are having issues with ghosts, but it, it for me, I mean, I've gotten... I want to say three Vanguard, two Crucible, two Faction, and two Raid Shells already. Yeah, the Ghosts haven't actually been a problem for me. I've been getting them a lot from Faction Drops. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think people, anybody having issues with getting a Ghost really needs to focus on leveling up those packages. Not so much Varrocks, since you're not going to get anything from Varrocks, but if you're having issues where your ghost is holding you back you might want to just do some patrols especially the new um not contamination what is that the um it, it's the new patrol mission in the plague lands where you have to fight a uh, a captain oh uh, a extermination maybe no nah, it has it has another it has related to plague infection oh let me contamination let me just uh Anyway, it's not important. Just just basically do patrols. If you do that quarantine. that specific patrol mission, quarantine, there you go. You do that specific patrol mission, you're getting like 124 rep. That's insane. And it takes not that long to do. If you if you grind out heroic strikes with a rep booster, you're getting 250 rep per completion on heroic, something along those lines. And if you pop with three coins, you have a chance for an exotic. If you uh, open up the skeleton chests, you get a whole bunch of stuff. You have a, you have a chance of getting very very good gear or very very <laughs> gear. Um, 
So yeah, I, for me, Lutrops, I am for the most part pleased. Um, but let's go ahead and go into the final thoughts of what we've experienced so far with Rise of Iron. Um, I'll let you go ahead and take the floor. Uh, well, um, final thoughts. I loved the story. It was a, a great change from some of the story you've seen in the past. It was different, different pace, different taste, uh, take on things. It had good twists at the end. Uh, the raid has been enjoyable, as we said. We didn't really go into it too much because we know you people love your wine raids as we do. Um, but it's a ton of fun. Definitely hop into it as soon as you can. Uh, Crucible is awesome right now. It feels rewarding. I can't wait for Iron Banner to come around. Iron Banner Supremacy, I am going to put so much time on. It's not even funny. Uh, Trials comes back in a week. Uh, I'm going to the Lighthouse Friday night. I don't know about you, but I'm getting there. So uh, right now, Rise of Iron feels in a really good place to me. Obviously, there are some problems, as we mentioned. Uh, we don't mean to sound salty and stuff as we talk about this stuff. It's just our, our, feel, our opinions and feelings that we like to voice. And we obviously love this game. Otherwise, we still wouldn't be playing it three years later. But Rise of Iron feels like um, a step in the right direction for me in many ways. And... I hope they continue to expand on this expansion and keep things going through year three. And I think they're on the right path. See, for me, Rise of Iron, um, it's two giant steps forward and in many ways, two giant steps back. It, we're almost... It, I don't want to sound salty because I definitely appreciate this expansion. I definitely feel that 30 bucks was worth it. I know I'm going to put hours into it. Why? Because I'm a nerd. <laughs> that being said, they already knew the biggest problems that we had at the start of year two. We were begging for artifacts at, year at the beginning of year two. We finally got artifacts three months later, or no, was it, we got higher level artifacts in, uh, what was, Iron Banner. We were begging for them. I mean, you could still get a 310 artifact um, that people were stupidly infusing into other things and ending up with a 307 artifact. <laughs> That's beside the point. Um, but it just seemed like you were struggling to get that level up because of the artifact. And again, here we are. Can't get an artifact. Some people are having issues with ghosts. And it feels like Bungie still is struggling with that artifact and ghosts. Uh, maybe not so much the ghosts, because uh, you still can get blue ghosts that go up to 365. Once you're 365, you can start doing the raid. You have to be at a comfortable 370-ish to be able to beat that boss. And maybe there'll be a new technique soon that, that'll let you really beat the boss. But it feels like you really have to be 370 because that final room, everything is red. If you're not 371, everything is red. You're just getting... I've never been so upset at Shanks in my life, but that's beside <laughs> the point. Um, 
and and it, it feels like this whole thing with the artifact especially is an example of what is wrong with rise of iron i'm again i, I like a lot of rise of iron but here's a situation in order to be able to do the highest level for year three you have to go back and do year two and year one stuff that's just not acceptable you have to find other ways and i'm not saying design an entirely new mode you've already designed a fantastic mode in archon's forge and the drops just have to be there. The, the drop, I'm not talking about it has to be legendary. The absolute, I, I need my absolute perfect sniper rifle. I need this, I need that. But at least blue engram or blue drops for weapons make it so that artifacts drop from up to 365 from Archon's Forge. Artifacts and Ghost 365, maybe a weapon, maybe an armor, but like make it so that the main ways of getting blue engrams. Or from completing, say, a blue level SIVA offering from Marcon's Forge. I would say that's that's pretty fair. Up to 365. And then you start grinding out Eris Morn, or you start doing the raid, get get the raid artifact, which can drop up to 385. There's a lot that you, that they could have done, and it feels like the fact that they've they've cemented the artifacts be, behind three different things the first thing is a random chance at an artifact from decrypting blues blue armor pieces not very common a random chance of getting a blue artifact up to 385 from opening up skeleton chest keys or skeleton chests not very common a 50-50 shot at getting up to a 385 artifact from leveling up Eris Morn. That's year two content. That's just... It, that's not acceptable. And maybe if they updated her bounties, I would be better with it. I mean, e even though Petra's dropping up to 385, I still feel kind of weird going back and doing, say, the Taken War stuff on venus or taking war stuff on earth just to get 385 st like that stuff i'm not saying that we have to completely eliminate year two and year one but you gotta you would think that since they involved the reef since this entire expansion is about the fallen i would have expected varix to be involved in some way shape or form he's not i i would have expected that they like for example Lord Saladin would have had a, com a conversation with Vex, uh, Vex, with Varix, um, begrudgingly because of his history with with Fallen, and he starts learning about the possibilities of what's going on with Siva. That would have been something that would have been very very cool for the story. As it is, it feels like the story, while it was a step in the right direction, it's a very very cool story, and there's a lot that's there. We touch on Yolder. We know about Lord Saladin. Very little about the other Iron Lords. And I expected to learn more about them. And I'm not talking about the Grimoire. Yes, you could go into Grimoire where um, Lord Saladin, who you learn his last name is Forge. And I believe it's Gillian um, or Silamar. I can't remember which one of the two, but it's one of those two. 
um, build the temple and they're the ones who put it together and, and help and, and they were the first guardians, but you learn this stuff from the grimoire. And again, I want more stuff in game. I want conversations between more conversations between characters. You're doing some sort of side mission, which you don't have to have very crazy things. Another mission, say on another PVP map that is being overrun with fallen. They could have easily put something together that could have resembled a mission and just had that conversation between, um, say, for example, Lord Saladin is trying to obtain information. Petra sends an, a, a, a calm and she's like, well, I heard that you needed assistance. Uh, thank you for assisting us during the, the SIVA crisis that we had on the reef, the infection that we got the week before Rise of Iron. And then Varix jumps in and like they have a, a conversation. They start learning. Something like that, just it, it adds story, it adds context, and it adds things to do, things to learn, and it adds another place where you can get rewards or something like that. And it just seems that they didn't take that step. They didn't take a step, in, in like outside of Yolder, who the only thing I see her do is press a button on the wall and then press the button to blow herself up. I don't see much about Yolder, and she's the most prevalent one outside of Saladin. Who was the uh, Iron Lord that was supposedly like is supposedly alive, and they never touched on her? Efferty. She's she's alive. She's confirmed to be alive. She's not here yet. Many are speculating that she's going to be the new person in charge of Iron Banner. We don't know, but if you notice on the left side, if you're looking out towards the fires from, um. From the temple, from inside the temple, going going outside on the left side, there's a cliff. There's a couple wolves over there, but there's nothing much else. So she could easily be on that side. So th there's 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 potential for things. Maybe it's maybe there's still secret missions that we haven't opened up yet. And I'm not talking about for, um, for exotics. But as of this time, as of recording, it feels like there's a lot of missing possibilities that they could have taken advantage of in this game. And it really feels, while there's a lot of meat, you're going to want seconds and there's nothing there as of this time. There also just feels like a lot of empty space in the um, Fellwinter's Peak area where they could make stuff happen. Mm -hmm. So as of right now, like. I was very happy at launch, and then after launch after or the, after the campaign, I should say. Well, I was gonna say after the uh, errors, you know. That's, right. That's where. Right after the after the tape years. Yeah, after the tape um, years. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like after after launch happened, it just seemed like everything kind of started going downhill really, really fast. And I'm I'm not trying to hate on the expansion. Because it's reinvigorated the community, but it's made me realize that if there is nothing released in the springtime, wow, is year three going to be hard to to go through? Yeah, and um, we do have a roadmap in general. We know that certain stuff is coming. We know SRL is coming back. We know as the loss is coming back, bigger and better. Um, I don't know if they said Crimson Days was coming back or not, but it better be completely different because it was pathetic last year. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um but i mean i agree we need something in spring 
But for now, I'm content. I'm happy for now. All right. With that, let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy up, David. All right. Well, we would like to thank you all for listening to In Orbit and let you know we're all available on a ton of platforms. So please make sure you spread the word. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play Music, Overcast for iOS, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, Pocket Casts, and we also have an RSS feed. And the link to that is available on www.mashthosebuttons.com. Make sure to check out the other shows on Mash Those Buttons Network while you are there. We have Double Tap, our podcast dedicated to fighting games in the fighting community, released bi-weekly on Wednesdays. Wow Talk, our podcast dedicated to World of Warcraft, released bi-weekly on Tuesdays. Watchpoint Radio, our podcast dedicated to Overwatch, available weekly on Wednesdays. SitRep Radio, our podcast dedicated to The Division, released weekly on Wednesdays. Frontline Radio, our podcast dedicated to Battlefield and Battlefront, once a month on the third week of the month. And of course, we are in orbit, your resource for Destiny news and commentary, available bi-weekly on Monday. For any questions regarding scheduling, check mashthosebuttons.com slash schedule for scheduling details. You can check us out on twitter.com slash m tb site facebook.com slash mash those buttons youtube.com slash mash those buttons david where can people find you at you can find me on twitter at ds underscore bolt or streaming on twitch twitch.tv slash ds bolt no underscores no spaces and you can find me on twitter at go to nrg that's geo the number two N-R-G. You can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash go to NRG and on the Guardians of the Technodrome on Facebook. You can also find me on Fireteam Chat, the uh, Facebook group where you can chat with thousands of other people there and find groups. You can also contact us to, if you need personal assistance at the Guardians of the Technodrome. Send us a message there. And please contact us with any questions for the show to inorbitpodcasts at gmail.com. My prior events are not a memory. It is momentum. It advances, leads, and controls. Points and directs. Shapes and forms. I may not enjoy what lies in front of me, but as in any story, the past needs resolution. We are the authors, the finishers of our fate. What is in my past is my prologue. What is in my future is my destiny. And then on behalf of the entire InnoWeber team, me, Jorge, David over here, and Jarrett in the back, we thank you for listening to our show. And as always, we'll see you on the next mission. Mission.